Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, Zachary, a couple things. Firstly, 
surprisingly, it's actually been quite cool and rainy here in L.A., so you're not missing much at the moment. With regards to Jordan Spieth and golf, I'm not much of a golf person either. I do have a couple good friends who are huge in it, and I can tell you that they were absolutely stunned and shocked by that breakdown. But, I mean, um, that's pro sports for you, right? I mean, right. What, uh, like, it happens all the time. People choke constantly. Um, Indeed. Some of the some of the greatest some of the greatest in the sport of any sport Indeed. choke in crunch time sometimes and you know I believe he's won it before so um, I'm sure he'll and he's yeah. one of the best in the world I'm sure he'll be back there again with a chance to win right so right on yeah just wanted but, to uh, bring that up quick let's but get let's get to, into oh, what we have yeah man it's that's that that's some uh, that's 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 a serious serious tournament. Um, for the rest of our show though today, Zach, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Golden State Warriors, their chase for history. Um, I want to talk a little bit about two NBA teams specifically who have had somewhat disappointing seasons, in my opinion. Um, maybe overshadowed a little bit by the success of the Warriors, though. Uh, we'll also be discussing some key MLB matchups, the new slide rule, an MLB injury that has definitely uh, shaken up things not only in the NL Central but also on fantasy rosters as well. We will be taking live callers throughout the show, so if you have any questions or comments for us, call us at 516-387-1306 and press 1 to enter the show. I do want to take this quick opportunity to thank our partners at RMB Music and MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. You can tune into the Major League Fantasy Sports baseball show every week at Sunday, every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the Major League Fantasy Baseball Weekly Show on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The Sunday show is hosted by Corey Roberts, and the Thursday show is hosted by myself and Mr. Kyle Amore. Now, Zach, let's get right to this. And Golden State Warriors chase for history. Firstly. Can do you think they're they're going to be able to get it? I mean, I'd be shocked at this point if they if they don't beat the Grizzlies. Um, the Grizzlies are a good team, but I mean, I believe the game's in Golden State. Um, they really have absolutely, um, you know, I don't think they have as much pressure on them as people would might think. I think they're going to get it. But let me ask you this: Do you think they can get it? And if they do get it. Does it really matter that they did if they don't go all the way to the finals and win it? Well, firstly, yes, they're going to get it. Um, I almost see it as the uh, Brett Favre and Michael Strahan scenario where Memphis is almost going to give it to them willingly. Not that they would have much of a test anyway without Marcus Saul and a bunch of the other injuries that the Grizzlies have. Um, Kind of just see, you know, the Warriors – saying they wanted to rest players at some point, but uh, not really being able to do so uh, chasing this record. So I think it's kind of going to be, you know, one half of a game here where they kind of get out to a lead and Memphis kind of gives in kind of like Brett Favre did for Michael Strahan in that last sack and kind of let the the, uh, um, Golden State Warriors sit their guys for a half maybe. And then – the latter part of your question, does it really matter? I don't think it really does matter um, if they do win the title, which I think they will again. I don't think there's a team. Uh, clearly, um, we just saw them 
take out uh, San Antonio on San Antonio's court uh, pretty handily. Um, Cleveland, although without Irving and Love last year, um, gave them somewhat of a run. I think are actually a worse team this year um, with Irving and Love. Uh, They have depth issues and they have chemistry issues. So, I don't think you know who I like problem. in the Eastern Conference, Zach. Obviously, because they're my hometown crew. Is yeah, the Raptors. that's what I was gonna. I was gonna say the only I mean, team that could. They have, uh, they've had trouble. Get, they've had troubles in, in the playoffs for their the entire history of the franchise. Right. But they are. They have a very skilled roster. They have great chemistry. A very good coach. And the only team I really think that gives them a run for their money in the East is Cleveland. And you met. You know. You brought up those good points about. Cleveland. So um, I think that could be interesting. I mean, I don't think either team can take out the, the Warriors, though. But I mean, to me, to me, it's kind of like the Patriots 16 and 0 season. Uh, yeah, they went 16 and 0, but all that anyone really remembers is that they didn't end up winning the Super Bowl, right? So in right. my opinion, it's like, yeah, what Golden State could accomplish, uh, I guess, I think it's Wednesday night, maybe, is that game, is is incredible. But if you don't end up winning the finals, it's like, okay, like, well, you know, you didn't really complete it. The same way, like, the 96 Bulls team that we're kind, of, we're kind of comparing them to went on and won the finals, and that kind of put an exclamation point on that incredible year. But speaking of those well, this, Bulls teams. That's where I'm going to disagree with you a, a little bit there. With the 16-0 Patriots, you know, not being able to win the Super Bowl, that, that feat that was done by the Dolphins, you know, in the undefeated season, um, I think it's a totally different animal. We're, we're talking 18 games there, and when it was the Dolphins, it was 16. Um, we're looking at an NBA season that's comprised of 82 games, and for a team to uh, win 73 games and only lose nine, um, you know, even if they don't win the title, I think that that record will still be remembered in history, um, kind of like the Bulls one was. Uh, I don't really think uh, people are looking at the record as, um, you know, a 72-10 and 10 Bulls team that then won the title. I think they're just looking at what an incredible um, regular season victory total that they had. So I'm going to say, um, like I said, I think they still do win the title this year. But if they don't, I think the, the record won't be tarnished by any means. And I think, you know, 10 years down the road, we'll still be looking at this record as maybe one that's uh, – unrivaled and never to be beaten. Um, so I think if they if they didn't win it it wouldn't be a huge deal. But, you know, we can agree to disagree and that's what we're that's what the show's about. You like one food, I like a different food, so that's why we're going to different parts absolutely, of the buffet. Man. No, absolutely. Speaking of, of that Bulls team, that ninety six Bulls team that won seventy two and then won the finals, do you think that they are better? This Warriors team is better than that Bulls team. I know it's twenty years ago. I know the league is different. You can't really necessarily compare it. But like, what what are your thoughts? Do you think that this team is better than that '96 team? Scotty Pippen has came out and said that you know they'd have no chance um, to, to beat the '96 team, the Warriors. That is, um, you know, I was six years old at the time, so I don't have any real recollection of um, that Bulls team playing, um, but what I do know is uh, basketball um, in these um, in this day and age really well, um, and just to put the roster um, head-to-head and 
Yeah, they had Michael Jordan, who was the greatest player of all time. I think the overall depth, um, there wasn't a player like Steph Curry um, back in those days. Granted, it it was a lot um, rougher of a league. There was a lot more contact. Um, So, you know, people could say, oh, well, he'd get roughed up more. But this guy's got incredible moves to create space for himself. Uh, He's got such a quick release to his shot that, um, you know, he keep him in in any game against any team. Uh, Draymond Green uh, is compared to um, Dennis Rodman, but a way better offensive player. Um, he's a rebounder and a sister, which Rodman was, but he's uh, way better offensively. And um, I think it would be, uh, you know, I'm not going to say one team would dominate the other, but I think if they had a seven-game series, it would go seven games. It would be a, it would be a, t- a tight series, but as I as I alluded to, I was only six years old, so I can't really say that I, you know, watched that team like I've watched this Warriors team to really make a a glaring comparison or or uh, contrast, if you will. So I don't know if you have a better take on that. I think it would be a good a good matchup just in general. I think it would be a good matchup too. Uh, the one thing I do think about, and I agree with your point about it being a bit of a rougher league back in '96. But by that same token, you can also argue that the league itself now is more skilled overall because of the fact oh, that yeah. the players are faster, the players are stronger. Um, and, I mean, it seems like nowadays there's at least half the teams in this league have two all-star caliber players on the yeah, squad. That's a great... I just don't feel like that was, that was the case back then. That's why the Bulls were able to dominate the way that they were is like, the only team that ever really challenged them was Utah, and they were in the West. Right. And now and they met a up a bunch of times because they had Stockton, Stockton and Malone. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. But nowadays, every team has, like, a Stockton and a Malone. Not, yeah, not, not actually Stockton and Malone, right. because those are two of the greatest players of all time, but you right. know what I mean. Like, two, yeah, for, the, instance, the for instance, the two teams Westbrook. I wanted to talk about, for instance, the two teams I wanted to talk about, I know you wanted to talk about too, for this season, teams that might not make the postseason, a team like the, the 2016 Rockets and Bulls. Rockets have James Harden and Dwight Howard. You know, if they had players of that caliber back in 96, they, they would have, you know, two, two players like right. that back in 96 would have been nuts. Nowadays, it's the norm, though. And then with the Bulls, Rose, yeah. Butler, and, and, and Gasol. Neither of these teams um, – Neither of these teams should be fighting for playoff spots. They should be they should be right in there, secure, safe, resting players, waiting to see who they're going to match up against. You know? Yeah, certainly. Um, I'll touch on that quickly, but I just wanted to say it was a great point on your part about the just the the change in generation um, with players being quicker, stronger. Jordan even mentioned um, in an interview that you know players would jump over him now. You know, the players these days would absolutely, you know, he was one of the highest flyers for his time, but it seems as if, you know, uh, every player's got that that type of talent and athletic ability that Jordan had in the 90s. Um, that's, that's what it takes to make it in the NBA, you know, D-League now is to have that kind of athletic ability. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a great point. And then we'll just touch quickly on those two because I, I want to get into baseball, and I know you're you're the baseball 
uh, enthusiast and lover, but with the Bulls and Rockets, um, chemistry is a big issue here with the Rockets. They have uh, Dwight Howard and James Harden, and there's been rumors throughout the whole season that they're not getting along, that Harden wanted uh, Dwight Howard to be traded. Um, it just seems wherever Dwight Howard has gone after Orlando, he has not um, fit in very well, if you will. Um, it seems like he needs to go to a team without a superstar, um, entrench himself there as the number one guy, and then maybe bring along another talented guy um, that that could be a 1B instead of you know trying to go to different teams and uh, be their big man. And then with the Bulls, um, they've just been injury riddled with, with Rose um, and Butler missing some time, but even so, um, the trio of guys they have there with Gasol, Butler, and Rose, at least two of them are on the court for most of their games. Now, this is a team that I think finished number two or three last year and should be uh, finishing in that same realm this year, you know, maybe in front of Toronto or behind Toronto. And uh, they're looking outside the playoff picture right now. So these are two se- two teams in the off season. I think, that we'll be seeing uh, moves being made. Um, I think Hoiberg as the Bulls coach is uh, safe, but um, they're going to see what they can get for Rhodes possibly, but with his injury history, um, who knows what they'll get there. There was talks of Jimmy Butler being traded, which I, I would don't not understand what I, yeah, nor would I, Personally. but there was, if I was talks an NBA of, GM. I would not be right. for Derek Rose. Jimmy Butler, on the Me, other hand, I would definitely yes. not trade for him. But if I'm the Bulls, I'd be crazy to trade him. That's what I'm saying. And there was there was talks um, a couple weeks ago that uh, many teams were inquiring about Butler, and the Bulls were seriously um, taking those talks. And like you, Lou, I, I'd be crazy if I'm the Bulls and trading him. This guy was a defensive stud coming into the season. I mean, into the season, into um, the NBA. And like Kawhi Leonard developed an offensive game to go along with his defensive prowess. And, you know, he's probably a top 10 player in the NBA, and they'd be crazy to move him. Um, so, yeah, uh, Howard's going to be gone with Houston. Uh, look for one of the three players in, in uh, Chicago to be moved. Uh, it's going to be interesting. Like you said, Lou, as a GM, I wouldn't be taking Rose. I'd be, um, you know, like asking. Uh, what do we get with him? Do we get like money if we take him? Because <laughs> he's just been injury riddled his whole career. But let's move on from this basketball talk and uh, get into the baseball, if you will. All right, man. Well, we can do that. Let's uh, let's slide right into the baseball. Uh, and <laughs> and I that's why start, you're the okay. host, Lou. <laughs> I want to start by <laughs> I want to start by saying. This about the about the the, the uh, slide rule for you to understand for anyone listening to understand the biggest thing about the new slide rule is this and I quote an attempt must be made by the runner to touch the base stay on the base during the slide and also not change their path for the purpose of initiating contact with the fielder okay right on that makes sense right so Definitely. all that being said. In the first week of the season, we've already seen two games end because of this new rule. 
The Brewers and the Rays both escaped with wins last week. Firstly, the Rays and the Jays. Divisional game. I mean, I don't think the Rays are really going to be in the race. But, I mean, if right. it comes down to one game and the Jays lose by one game to the Rays or something, we can go back to game two or three of, of this, the MLB season and talk about this stupid rule. But let's just let's imagine just, that. Get away from the ifs, ands, and buts. The Rays beat the Jays. Pretty much, I although I although I don't think what Batista did was wrong according to the rule. He was totally, totally, totally wrong. He did not stay on yeah. on the bag through his slide, and you could see he purposely stuck his arm out to disrupt the fielder, which it specifically says in the rule you cannot do. Right. What are your takes on that though? Like, did you see? Did you see the highlight? Did you see the game? Did you see yes. the Rays? The Rays dugout didn't even react, as if they didn't right. think that it, it it was illegal. They weren't going to challenge it. Like that's what irks me about it is that if the Rays yeah. aren't going to challenge it or say say anything, then nothing should have been done about it. I I hundred percent agree with you on that point. Um, I did see both in both plays, both of the these slides that changed both of the outcomes of the games. Um, what Bautista did was not malicious in, in, in any respect. He did slide at the base and he did stick his, <coughs> excuse me, his arm out and grab foresight. You know, he made a bad throw and you could say um, it was because Bautista, you know, grabbed his foot that he made the throw or he just made an air throw. But the, the big thing there is, you know, the, the Rays, weren't thinking anything of it until until the umpires went and, you know, changed the game for it. So that's uh, – I know you said we're going to get away at the ifs, ands, and buts, but just imagine if, if Toronto loses out on, on some kind of playoff seeding because of one game. I mean, it'll be easy to, to look back at that one because uh, it's not like he took out foresight by any means. He, he barely touched his back foot, um, and the throw was already – gone, if I can remember correctly, before he even uh, um, made contact with Forsyth. Exactly, and I mean, there's a lot of times where you can be like, oh, the ums didn't really factor into the decision. It was one strike call, one ball call, but this right. specific play, the ums totally factored into the decision. The Rays were handed a victory by the umpires. Because oh, that's question. the thing. If the, if the Rays would have been arguing right away, if they would have like put their hands up in the air, and right. Kevin Cash would have ran out onto the field and gone the umpire's face, totally different situation. But they did nothing. They were sitting there like they just pooped their pants. They couldn't believe that they blew the lead. And there's, he's thinking to himself, great, now we have to score a run to tie this game off Roberto Osuna. Not, hey, we should be getting the win here. You know, right. like it, it just it's it's evident that that was the case. But let's go over to this Brewers and Astros one. You said you you saw it, which is good. I've seen it a couple of times, not as much as this Rays and Jays one, but this one was Colby Rasmus, also an ex Blue Jay. Um, so he slid right past the bag. He didn't even make an attempt to to, to touch it. It looked like, in my opinion, what he didn't do though, yeah. he didn't come close to the fielder though either, which is why I'm a little, like, the fielder was on the left side of the bag, and Rasmus slid on the right side of the bag. So my question is, how is how is what anything he did illegal? Like, yeah, so, like, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't end up sliding into the bag, and he slid past the bag, but he didn't slide into the thrower. He didn't interfere with the thrower. He slid into the opposite side of the bag of the fielder, slash thrower, whatever you want to call it. Like, 
to call a game like that is is crazy. I mean, at least the difference between this Brewers and Astros game is that the Ums called it right away. Right. They didn't have to go review anything. The call was made right away. That, at least, I do like about it. But what are your thoughts on this play um, rather than the no. Batista play? Because both, both plays are totally different. Even though they were both double yeah. plays to end the game, the actual slides and throws themselves were completely different from one they're, another. They were definitely different. And um, with the uh, the Milwaukee highlight that I saw, um, it did not show where, where the throw was coming from in terms of, like, third base, shortstop, or it being unassisted. Do you know that part of it, at least? Lou? I don't know. I might have lost Lou there, but um, what I'm going to say is, you know, Rasmus did slide over um, on the right side of the bag. Now, if we're if we're looking at a, a double play ball where the assist is coming from the third baseman or the shortstop, um, you know, they're going to have that toe drag and the second baseman or shortstop is going to end up on that side of the bag where Rasmus slid. So um, I think, you know, where she slid in it, the highlight shows that the the player was not near where Rasmus slid. I think that's maybe where the player was intending to go. Um, and he already saw that Rasmus had slid there and not um, – willing to put himself in danger by any means. So I think while the plays are different, um, I think although um, there was no contact in the Rasmus one, whereas the Bautista one, there was contact, I actually think the Rasmus one um, had more intent in it um, as he wasn't in a direct path for the slide sliding into the base. Um, and that's where you could see some, um, injury concern, uh, you know, really going for the player's legs rather than the base. Um, at least Bautista is going for the bag. Now, do we have Lou back? Lou, hello? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm here, man. I'm here. Okay. Well, I didn't... I, 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 was, just, uh, I be, was just letting you... P- pardon at me? At the beginning... No, at the beginning, I, I asked and I didn't hear a reply from you. Um, was the assist um, on the on the Rasmus slide coming from, like, the third baseman, the shortstop, was it unassisted? Do you know? Because the highlight I saw just showed um, the slide and the, the player on the left side of the bag. Do you know where the double play was coming from? I believe it was a ground ball to second base. Okay. I believe it so, was a ground ball to second. But I could be I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. So, yeah. The, the I believe it was a ground ball. Me, I believe it was – I believe it was Scooter Jeanette fielding the ball. Right. If I'm okay. not mistaken. So, yeah, definitely. I definitely think there's more intent there with Rasmus um, kind of sliding to where he thinks the shortstop's going to end up, you know, with the little toe tap and throw to first base. Um, he didn't make that direct test. So I think that one it has uh, more context to to the rule itself. Um Whereas both both slides were breaking the rule uh, by some some aspect, but I think the Rasmus one um, had more intense, uh, more malicey, if you will, um, kind of going to slide where he thought the player was going to be, and that's where I think um, we, we would see more injuries and where we mm-hmm. have 
seen the injuries in the past um, is sliding not in the direct face path. Well, let me ask you this, Zach. Do you think that the MLB needs to adjust this rule a little bit? If it's if it's already coming into play twice in situations like this, clearly there are some issues with it. Because, um, I mean, especially with the Batista one, I mean, yes, he did not follow the new rule specifically. But if you ask any former MLB player or even anyone who grew up playing baseball as I did, as I'm sure you did, you're taught from a young age to go and slide hard, run hard and slide hard. You think in those yep. couple of split seconds, I was talking about this on Thursday, you think in those couple of split seconds, Jose Batista thinking to himself, oh, I better be careful how, how hard I slide into second base right now, or no, he's thinking, I got to get there, Edwin needs to be safe at first so we can tie this ball game. Like, Right. Your your instincts are to, to run hard and slide hard. You're not yeah, trying to hurt these, anybody. You're just doing your job. And these players You're have doing been doing that all their life. For the last 30 you know? years. Yeah, they've been exactly doing it their whole life. He's been playing the game for 30 years. He's 36 years old. You can imagine. He's been playing since he was probably five. Right. I mean, you, you expect him to change his way of playing the game for 30, 31 years in a span of, of three days? Of the, the, yeah, it's the ridiculous. The season starting? I mean, come on. Like, yeah, and it's, 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 it's been it's been how it's been for over a hundred years as well that that yeah. game it's, kind of played that way. Thing, it's one but, thing. It's one thing for them to have implemented the video replay. It's good that they get calls right, but calls like that are not things that should be even able to be reviewed. No, I you agree. Can't totally review ball, a ball and strike. If you can't review balls and strikes, then why why are you able to to re- review? That it's one thing for if it's safe or out call or foul or fair, but I mean the whole thing they're trying to change the pace of play and all that all all they're doing by adding that rule and by you know doing what they're doing is is delaying the pace of play. Yeah, adding time. Ups have to get together and then they have to go and they have to talk to the people back in New York and also that's another thing. It's like. Obviously, the people back in New York are going to be able to see it differently because they get to see it slowed down. The umps on the field are seeing it in real time, and if they're not calling it, like at least in Houston, he called it right away. But the guy, the guys in Toronto with the Toronto and, and Tampa game, they saw it in real time and they saw nothing wrong with it, and that's right. how it should have stayed. Now you ask, you know, no one, no changed? one is on the field. No one on the field anything wrong with it. It definitely should change, but but how is the MLB going to go about doing so? Because um, they can't really put anything else in the rule to uh, make it different, make it uh, make it whereas um, it's going to happen less. Um, the only thing that I think they can do to reprimand what they did is just completely wipe the Utley rule and and go back to how it was before. Um, and then it arises another question I'm going to ask you, Lou. Um, as we talked about with Tampa Bay and them not, not even questioning the call until the umpires made um, the call, do you think teams are going to be more cognizant now? And, you know, if there's any little inch of um, that rule on a slide, do you think, you know, the the managers are going to be running out onto the field on, on these plays yes. more so now, trying question. to get calls? Great, 
great question. I think they opened up Pandora's box, and it's going to happen right. all year now. Any right. time and you think maybe they can get an extra out, they're going to do it now. Right, and, and we've seen two games changed in the first week. Yes. You know, that's, we're yes. gonna, that, that is absurd. We're, that is absurd that, that it's happened like that. And the, uh, the bigger thing to me is, like, why not get rid of that rule and simply – if, if, if someone is really sliding in with this malicious intent with their spikes up, then suspend them the way they did with Chase right. Utley or call them out or call them out. That's fine. Call the runner out. But don't change the way that people are supposed to slide. Don't change yeah. the rule. Just if, if the umpires deem it, the same way that if the umpires deem it to be an illegal slide now, then they reprimand the guy and they call him out. But right. why change the rule? Just in their eyes, if they see it as a as a malicious slide, then call them out. If not, then don't. But there does need to be yeah, a whole I, crazy rule. Yeah, it's something it's just, needs to happen, and, and we're gonna we're gonna. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see anything happen this season. Uh, unfortunately, um, they'll probably wait till the season end to uh, review it, if you will, and make a change or remove the rule, but. Um, since in the rule books now, I think it stays for for the season. Um, something I haven't really looked into or or read about. Um, if the MLB has has looked or wants to look at it in season, but um, just by uh, you know the past of the of MLB and any sport, if you will, it seems as if um, you know once a rule is implemented. It's it's that rule until uh, the season ends and then it's reviewed and looked upon as change or or taken out. Yeah, well that that seems that seems to be the case. You're probably right about that. Let's let's move on to um, we talked about this briefly, but yes. Kyle Schwarber, young budding superstar in the major league, Chicago Cubs player now out for the season. I mean, it's obviously a huge loss for the Cubs, regardless. Even though they have Solaire and, um, you know, he's a good young player, he's not nearly as dynamic offensively as Schwarber is. Um, but the question I have, really, Zach, is do you think this, this injury is a product of Schwarber playing in a position where, that he just shouldn't have been playing in? Like, he's clearly not made. He doesn't have the body type to be a left fielder, and you can see how awkward he, he was chasing that ball down in the gap. He just looked lost. And that, in my opinion, it's him being played out of position that led to that injury. It, de- it definitely was um, um, plays a part of the injury, but um, as a center fielder myself playing, you know, pretty much my whole life and uh, up through through high school and, you know, pretty much since I was six years old, I was how he's playing center field or pitching, um, you're no, you're told and taught to. Um, so speaking at Fowler here, who was involved in this play, knowing that this ball is uncatchable by both of them, uh, someone's still got to call it or say that they that they have it. And as, as a center fielder, that's your job. If you if you see the ball is pretty much uncatchable, but you're both running towards it you still have to make a call so that you don't collide. And um, it, it is a function of Schwarber not playing the position that uh, that he's accustomed to playing that, that got him in that situation. But it's also uh, a part Fowler's fault because there was no call made there that 
he had it or to uh, let it run, which would mean, you know, let it bounce off the back wall and catch it on a bounce. So um, I think it's a, it's a 50-50 thing there. Uh, it's, it's Schwarber's inability as an outfielder as well as Fowler's mistake on not communicating. And that's one of the uh, the biggest things that goes unknown um, when you're watching baseball on a television screen is all the communication that happens um, on field during the game. Um, you don't really hear that stuff, or in any sport, rather. Um, I think that's something that could could and maybe will be implemented um, for our viewing pleasure on the TVs that are, you know, getting better and better by the year. I think they'll they'll implement microphones and we'll be able to hear the in-game sounds from players and coaches more so than, than we do now. Because that, that's a big part of the game that, that we miss out on. Um, and like I said, as a center fielder, you're, you're taught to communicate in that situation. And um, it was known on that play that Fowler did not. So I think it's a, a 50-50 issue with, with Schwarber not uh, playing outfield and Fowler not communicating. Yeah, though that's definitely a fair point. It's a and it's a very good point about uh, the communication and the center fielder having to call the uh, the guy off. And I mean, no excuses. Make I'm not making any excuses for Fowler. But again, you have not just a guy who sh- shouldn't is not really physically capable of playing left field because no offense right. to Schwarber, but he's kind of a big dude. But also the inexperience of Schwarber is also plays a big role in that for Fowler. Be, and not, not the, I'm not giving Fowler a pass necessarily, but a more experienced left fielder would have known to back off for the center fielder or had better communication in general with right. Schwarber, sorry, with Fowler. And it is honestly like, I, you don't blame Joe Madden necessarily because Joe Madden's one of the best managers in the, in the league, yeah. not the best. But I, and like you need to put Schwarber somewhere, but it just goes to show that like forcing him into the lineup because you want his bat there and not letting him you know play catcher three or four times a week instead is is hurting them. And indeed, now, now it's hurting them even more because now he's gone for the year. Um, on a separate note, though, um, you also kind of got a feel for those fantasy owners too because guys who took Schwarber in the first few rounds, like that's crazy. And like unlike the AJ Pollock's situation, all the fantasy drafts were completed by the time this injury happened to Schwarber, you know, like at least with Pollock, it did happen before the season began, so there's still some drafts where, you know, you knew what to to do and not uh, not (laughs) Pollock, and the biggest thing is that it's even more impossible to replace a player of Schwarber's caliber, especially because a lot of people had him playing catcher. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, I'm that's not huge. saying it's easy to replace Pollock. Pollock's amazing, but you can find an outfielder yeah. a lot quicker than you can right. find a catcher, especially a catcher that can hit 30 home runs, or you're expecting to hit 30 home runs. Well, that's the thing here, um, and bringing up the Pollock thing really uh, hurts me as I own him in four out of five leagues. Uh, so that really sucks, and. I, I conversed with you about one of them, actually, or two of them, maybe. Um, being my keeper, I think I, I shot you a few messages just on your your take to see who my, my best options were, um, and we both agreed on Pollock. Uh, on, oh, on yeah, both we both love Pollock. And, and then, uh, you know, Pollock? that injury. So that, that really hurt for my teams with the, the Schwarber injury and what you said about 
uh, catcher. For those of you listening that maybe are in this situation, what I would be advise you to do here, um, as most people are playing the roto roto leagues, you know, pitcher leagues, is to pick up a catcher that's not going to kill your ratios. You're not going to find a catcher that's going to be able to produce for you really on the waiver wire. So what you're going to want to do is pick up a guy who's not going to kill you. So find a guy that can hit for a decent average. Maybe even a guy that's platooning and is going to play two or three games a week so he doesn't kill your ratios. Because um, guaranteed that you know any catcher that has any any positivity in terms of production um, has been scraped off the wire, especially um, you know if you're in the two catcher league, which there there's still some out there. Um, you're not going to find anybody. So uh, best best to look at um, a guy who's solid across the board in terms of um, averages and whatnot, rather than looking for a guy who maybe has some home run power or uh, catchers really don't steal besides JT Real Muto. So you're not really going to find a steals guy, but just someone who's not going to kill you. I'm with you on that, Zach, for sure. And I mean, I think I think you were on the show with with us actually, um, probably like a month, almost a month or two ago. The, the last catcher I remember that had legit speed you're talking about was Jason K- Kendall. Um, yeah. Back back in back in the day. But let's uh, let's move on. I want to talk about three um, matchups from this past weekend, and then three uh, matchups to look out for this week. Great pitching matchups. But first, let's talk about your Marlins and. Uh, the, their series against the Nationals, one of the games got rained out, uh, something that happens a lot, obviously, the first month of the season as the weather begins to uh, change and is a little sporadic. But uh, what what did you like about uh, both these teams in this series or dislike? I know you're obviously happy that the Marlins finally got their first win, but beyond that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Marlins aren't going to – push for postseason this year. They don't really have the, the pitching talent to do so. Um, uh, Fernand, uh, Rod, wow, I had my brain fart. Fernandez, Jesus, um, got gave up five runs, had 13 Ks. Um, so it shows that, you know, he's still knocking off the rust, but he does have the talent to, to be lights out. And um, it's going to be uh, – a question how many innings they're going to let him pitch this year. It's nice to see Stanton um, get off to a, a okay start and get a home run in the first week. You know, sometimes we see these power hitters, hitters struggle um, to get, like, their first home run. I forgot who it was last year, um, but they didn't have a home – maybe Pujols didn't have a home run for, like, the first month or so. So it's nice to see him get off and get a, get an early one. Um, I do like the top of their order, and I think the Marlins can produce some runs this year um, with D. Gordon. I like Ozuna a lot. I um, think he'll have a bounce back I, I here. Think the key, the, Zach, I think the key for the Marlins is production from Ozuna and Yelich. And if they stay very yep. healthy, and Sam has to stay healthy. If, if they stay healthy, those guys, they rival the Pirates for the best and most athletic out- outfield in baseball, hands down. Without question. Without question, and I think Yelich can be a real stud this year if he um, stays healthy. He's a possible 30-30 guy, um, and there's not a lot of those out there this year. Um, so, like you said, I think that really 
hinges on those two guys. We know what Stanton's going to give you if he's healthy. Um, and then their staff, they don't really have a ton there behind Fernandez. I do like Adam Conley somewhat. Um, unfortunately, his his start got rained out, but he was hitting, um, I think, 97-98 on a gun, which is really nice to see. Um, and then with the Nats, um, you know, they're... Zach, Zach, hold on. Before, before you go over to the Nats, I I like what Jared Kozart might bring, too. Um he had some injury issues last year, but he was, he's still a very, he was a very highly touted prospect with the Astros. And I, I like him pitching in Miami. I like that ballpark for him. And he's, right. he's definitely got potential too. Yeah. I think he gets his first start today, actually. So we'll see how that goes for him. He does. Um, in fact, in fact, I picked him up in uh, my major league fantasy sports league because I drafted a bunch of pitchers who were on the DL. I drafted e right. and and Gosman, I picked up Cozart um, to kind of supplement that 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 spot. So I'm hoping that he can uh, he can pitch well. But we'll yeah, and he 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 gets the uh, two start advantage as well for for those of you you know playing in a um, uh, a league where you can't make rosters, which is um, unlike the awesome leagues over at Major League Fantasy Sports. Um, but for you know the leagues. Where you can't make those moves, he's a, he gets a two-star week, which is very beneficial in, in those ways. And I'm definitely going to be interested to see his start today. With regards to, to the Nats, um, I, want to, I want to kind of hurry up because we have five other matches I want to get to. Uh, tell me your thoughts on them. But first, I just want to say it seems to me like if Bryce Harper is not hitting a home run or Daniel Murphy's not hitting like a bases clearing to double or triple, this team isn't going to score runs. Yeah, they're, they're going to, they, they may struggle. Um, and like you said, we'll, we'll just touch base on them quickly. Uh, they're fine. Well, I don't know if they're finally giving him a shot or he's getting a shot due to injury. It might be a little bit of both here, um, but with Michael Taylor finally getting a shot, um, Batting leadoff, so he's an exciting guy to uh, keep an eye on and see see what he can do with his first real shot here with Ben Revere on the um, on the disabled list, and if he can produce um, at at a, a, a decent clip, I think he'll he'll stay in their lineup, um, whether it be first or not. But you're not going to see a, a leadoff batter strike out more than Michael Taylor does. Uh, this guy strikes out a bunch. He's got to he's got to fix his approach at the plate, but he's an exciting exciting young player. So I'm excited to see what he can bring finally, um, given some playing time. Yeah, well, he's certainly not your prototypical leadoff guy for sure. Let's move over to the Royals and Twins, and the Royals swept this series, and the Twins have started the season 0 and six. This is a team that was on the cusp of uh, potential playoffs last year until September, really mid-September, and kind of expected them to at least be as good this year. I mean, I think a little uh, people would agree that they reached a little bit last year, um, and everyone knew, yeah, their starting pitching was a little hit or miss, but it really hasn't even been their pitching so much this year. It's that their offense. I mean, if Joe Maurer is going to be their best hitter so sure. far this year, that that's a problem. Because he should really Definitely. be their fourth or fifth best hitter. I mean, got nothing from Sano or Dozer or Plouffe, pretty much. And without those guys hitting, they're they're not going to score a lot of runs. 
That's yeah, without without question, yeah, that you can't have Mauer being your best hitter and um, those guys not producing with a questionable pitching staff. And one thing I heard on um, Sirius Radio, which I that's all I listen to when I'm driving, is the is the Fantasy Channel. Um, but the the one thing that I heard that really made sense to me um, is the the Twins organization um, being touted as having low blood pressure um, and not really uh, letting anything um, of whether they're playing good or not factor into um, moves being made because uh, you could you could argue that uh, Barrio should have been brought up at the end of last year to help him make that push for the playoffs. You know, uh, they missed it by, I think, one game. And Barrios is definitely a player who can uh, have a war above one. You know, he's going he's gonna to win games for you guys going to be a, a great pitcher in this league. Um, and it just makes me think, how long are they going to wait this year um, as an organization that, um, like I said, uh, was quoted as a low b- blood pressure? Um, starting off 0-6, I don't think really – helps the uh, notion of bringing up Barrios anytime soon um, if they think that their 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 sink is sinking their ship is sinking um, I don't think they'll be in any hurry to bring him up you know I would have to agree with that I mean you're not you're not you're not completely finished at 0 and six but in in a division like the al central where realistically going into the season any of those five teams could have made the playoffs it's going to be very tough to climb out of that hole. Um, yeah. Let's go over. We, I mean, we don't really need to talk about the Royals. We know they're all very well put together. Team. Right. Average starting pitching, but great, great defense, solid lineup, timely hitting, and great bullpen. Let's go over to Tampa and Baltimore. And a big surprise, even more surprising than the Twins' 0-6 start, is the Orioles' 5-0 start. Yeah, without, without, They're kind of connected. Oh. They're kind of connected because the Orioles' first three wins this year were against the Twins. <laughs> yes, so that works hand in hand, I guess. Um, the one thing here, though, um, I think is a little scary is Adam Jones having a um, they're calling what is it a, a rib strain right now, and I think what they want to say is an oblique strain, and you know, for an MLB player, that that can mean weeks to months on the DL. So um, the guy that stepped in, uh, Rickard, has played well, but um, Adam Jones is a a big piece of that puzzle there in Baltimore. So if he has to miss significant time, um, that's not not good for the O's. No, it's certainly not. Um, I mean, the good thing for them is that they did – um, they did win these uh, these two games they played against Tampa. It's always good to win divisional games. I mean, if you're playing two, you'd like to win both, not split them, because that's I mean that, that that's how the way you win your division in Major League Baseball is by winning the, is by winning the series against your um, right. your division. You play 18 or 19 games a season. You want to win at least 10 of those against each team in your division to have a chance. Um, Tampa, I mean. I mean, we know that they have decent starting pitching, but uh, there are some question marks still. Uh, guys who missed yeah. time last year, like Smiley and Matt Moore, and then their lineup is just so subpar at best. Yeah, uh, it's it's nice to see Corey Dickerson get off to a 
a good start, but yeah, other other than that, they're you know to have to have Logan Forsythe be your leadoff guy, um, I think says a lot about their lineup as a whole. Um, not saying that Logan Forsythe is, is a bad ball player; he's actually an above average ball player. But um, you know they have they have guys like Desmond Jennings who's really faded out, had injury concerns, um, you know, so. They don't have really much much to their lineup. Um, like I said, it's nice to see Corey Dickerson away from Coors Field, hit some home runs, and get off to an okay start. But other than that, I think they're going to struggle to to find runs. And like you said, with their pitching staff, um, a lot of their arms have missed some time. Pretty much everyone but Archer. Odorizzi missed time last year. More, um, yeah, Cobb on the DL, who is an exciting arm. So their, their pitching staff while can be electric if, if all cylinders are firing um, at the right time and place, they also um, can implode if things aren't going well. And um, that that does include Archer. Archer can implode as well. Um, sometimes he has uh, command issues. We know he can strike out 12 guys, but um, sometimes, you know, giving free passes gets himself into some trouble and the fact that he throws the slider so much um, should just mean, you know, another race pitcher that could be headed for some time missed because we know the pitchers that rely heavily on that that slider pitch are uh, have a higher injury risk than, you know, a guy that's uh, settled on his fastball, if you will. Absolutely. It's a great point about Archer. And, yeah, that, I mean, that, that whole pitching staff, like like you said, and like I was mentioning, they uh, besides Archer, they all have you know they all were injured last year, and who knows how they're going to and miss significant time, not just like you know minor injuries right. here that they all miss significant time, uh, and if, right. if they don't get good pitching, Tampa, they have absolutely no chance of competing this, this year. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they may move uh, Evan Longoria too, because you know, the amount of money he's making nowadays, he's yeah. just not. Um, He's not the same player he was for them years yeah, ago. Redressed. Um, yeah, they would be better off. They would be better off trading him to a team that really needs a guy like that and trying to re- rebuild again uh, because they're 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 past their point of they're past their point of like that window. They had their window. Right. It was between 2007 yep. and 2010 when you know they had they had a real good opportunity and mm-hmm. that window's gone. So instead yep. of trying yep. to do like a quick little re rebuild, they should just um, they should start selling off pieces and yeah. really you know go go going the route of the Brewers and the Reds, uh, Phillies and Braves. Right. That's the that's really what they need to do. Um, but let's let's move on to a couple pitching matchups that are going to be happening this week, and these are all like top notch matchups. Tuesday, we have Jose Fernandez versus Nova Syndergaard. Um, divisional matchup, but two guys that are two incredibly exciting young hit pitchers. What are your thoughts on this matchup? Marlins, Mets, Fernandez, Syndergaard. Yeah, it's going to be a lovely one. It's going to be great. Um, me as a Marlins fan, obviously I love my boy Fernandez, but I honestly almost – might like Noah more. He he's a young, exciting player. He's he's a beast. There's a reason why they call him Thor. He's, he stands on the mound. He's huge. Um, he's got 
electric curveball, Noah's Ark, they should call it. I don't know why they don't. Um, but it's going to be a great matchup. But I think, you know, the Mets having a, a, a better um, batting order. Well, I mean, you could – you could really make a, a, a case for Miami. I don't think, I don't think the Mets lineup is that good at all. Right. I think, I think if anything, say, you can if anything's going to hold them the back here, might be, it will be their lineup. Yeah. It definitely took a step back um, with the loss of Murphy and whatnot and all the platoonage in the outfield. I mean, Cespedes, um, and I'm sorry, Cespedes is not going to do what he did last year. No, he will game. not. He definitely not will not. So you could argue the Marlins actually do have a better uh, batting lineup, but the the staff behind Fernandez um, isn't as good as you know the five aces they have over there um, in the subway. But I think it, you know it's going to be an exciting matchup between Syndergaard and Fernandez, and one I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. Um, and I'm not sure if I'll be able to watch, but one I'll be paying close attention to if I'm working or something. Yes, um, definitely an exciting matchup. In my opinion, Syndergaard is the best pitcher on, on the Mets staff. Nothing against Harvey or DeGrom, um, nothing against the potential of, of Matt, but I think Syndergaard is the best one out of all of them. I agree. Um, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that would say that we're crazy, but I don't yeah. really care because, uh, we'll, you know, Nor it's just I. my opinion. Let's uh, let's go over to a matchup on Thursday. Not as not as uh, prolific as a matchup, I guess, but Danny Salazar, a great pitcher, versus Chris Archer, a great pitcher. Cleveland Indians, Tampa Bay Rays, Thursday. High hopes for the Indians this year from a lot of experts. They think that the Indians can at least get a wild card spot, if not contend for the Central. With that pitching staff, yes. Um, with that lineup, I'm not so sure. Their uh, their batting order is. Very average, better than Tampa's. But you know what? This is how I see the, I see the Indians as the Rays from like five years ago. Really, really good starting pitching, a solid closer, but a very average lineup, and especially without Michael Brantley in it. Yeah, it's average lineup. Average lineup. I think is even you know giving them a little too much love. Um, I really don't like the lineup at all. You know, you got a guy. Well, I mean. When you're having Rajay Davis lead off, what is he, 38-39 now? Um, uh, Carlos Santana, you know, is going to be who he is. There are high hopes for him, but he hasn't really turned out to be the guy that people thought he would be. Um, And without Brantley, that that definitely hurts them. Um, A guy who I thought had some sneaky value, Abraham Almonte, is uh, suspended with PED use. Um, so their lineup really is, is nothing to write home about. But if, if Archer gets himself in trouble with walks, um, he could get himself in trouble. And then as far as Salazar, this is a guy uh, that I really love. I loved last year. Um, he's a guy I owned in seriously every league because no one was on him. Um, he even was left on, you know, to the last, last round of some drafts. But he's a guy I love just like um, – you know, we love the Mets staff. I like I like the two guys in Cleveland. We already know who Kluber is, but I really love Carrasco and Salazar. Some bright young stars in this league, um, and I think I think um, Salazar has the potential to to be better than Archer um, once he hits his apex. I think 
Archer is maybe at his apex right now or maybe another year. I think Salazar still is uh, honing in his craft. I think he he can uh, be better than Archer, say, in two or three years. I would have to agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I really like Salazar, too. I finally got to, to draft him this year. Um, very sad. I actually have Arthur, too, and Scherzer. So, uh, as you can imagine, I have a pretty, I have a pretty yeah. solid starting, uh, starting rotation with those three heading it up. Um, but one thing I want to say again about Cleveland is it's like, yeah, we already talked about no Brantley. I mean, they need career years from Kittness and Santana just to have a chance. Because we know Lindor's right. pretty solid, right? But, I mean, Kittness, Santana really need to be able to um, make an impact. And I just don't see them being able to do that. Nor do I, I. You know, I, just, I think they're both overrated. As um, do I. I think I'm they're 100% both, they're both, with they're you. Both, they're, both, they're both good players, but I think they're overrated. Right. I don't think either of them are the superstars that Cleveland expected them to be or that um, – all the experts kind of expected them to be. Kipnis came up kind of on fire and then just kind of fell off the map. Um, yeah. And I mean, he, he had some good months. He had some good months last year. Yeah. But I just, I just don't think that he's, I just don't think that he's as good as, um, you know, all the experts yeah. advertise. I think he's overrated and it's just, it's just um, I think they're 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 in some trouble there, and they won't accept it because they have all that pitching, you know. Right. It's kind of one one Indeed. of those situations. But let's move over to our last matchup that I want to talk about, and it's a rematch of a matchup from this weekend, and it is Clayton Kershaw and Matt Bumgarner round two already. Um, now Bumgarner hit a home run off Kershaw this this weekend. Um, Indeed. Which is funny because he now has two. And um, the Giants took three of four, though, I believe, from the, um, from the Dodgers this past weekend, which is obviously big in these, these divisional matchups early on. Now the games are going to be played in L.A., though. Do you think there's going to be a difference this time around? Uh, do you think Bumgarner might hit another home run off Kershaw? What are your, what's, your take on, what's your take on this pitching matchup and this series? It, it wouldn't be a surprise if he hit another home run off Kershaw. We saw at the end of last year that um, Bodie was uh, using Bumgarner as a, as a pinch hitter at some points because he, he actually is a, a good hitter. Um, he's not just an elite pitcher. Um, and some of these some of these pitchers do take pride in their hitting, and that's really cool to see um, them do so. But um, as far as the matchup goes, I know it's an even year, and that, that's just the Giants thing. That's when they win their World Series. Um, I think behind Baumgartner, um, their pitching staff is iffy, um, iffy and old. And um, I do like their lineup more than I like L.A.'s lineup. Um, and that said, as a Dodger fan, um, I'm a Marlins and Dodgers fan for, for all of you listening out there. So um, the lineup isn't great. Um, Puig is having a bounce back um, type of start here. But outside of that, I mean, they pretty much platoon their whole outfield, it seems. Uh, they paid guys like Crawford way too much money. And um, Gonzalez, the fastest prime 
he he has hot months and cold months. Um, he pretty much did what Robinson Cano did this year. Um, started off really hot with like five or seven home runs in the first week, and then didn't hear about him until maybe after spring break. So I think the the Giants will take the series um, as far as the matchup, but you can't really uh, go say one way or the other. It's really who's going to get that one or two runs, and hey, maybe it's Bumgarner again hitting a homer off play. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be something, man? If he hit another home run off him, that's 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 just crazy. I mean, I I, I think I saw something like there's only like five or something players besides Bumgarner that have two home runs in their career off Kershaw, and obviously they are right. all position players. Um, but that yeah. being said, though, man, we're pretty much out of time here today. So just want to tell you, it was an awesome second show. Um, always look forward to it. Looking forward to next week's, obviously again. Is there anything you want to uh, leave us with or say to the listeners? Uh, we'll just say it's the end of the story. And by that, I mean Trevor's story. Uh, had a great run here, but um, Certainly not sustainable, did. obviously. It's not It's not sustainable, obviously. We know that. But the guy's never hit more than um, 20 home runs any at any league of the minors, and he actually – he played in Arizona in the minors, which is actually more advantageous than Coors, um, which is <laughs> hard to believe that, but it is. Um, and he's never hit more than 20 there. So I think it's the end of the story as we know it. Um, but Lou, a great freaking show, man. Um, I'm going to work on getting getting my Monday uh, real work scheduled later. So maybe we can extend these shows longer and, get some more talking in because it's always awesome eating at the buffet with you, my man. Have a great week. And, uh, you too, my friend. I'll be listening to you Thursday and Thursday if I, uh, am able. You got it, man. You got it. Um, always love when you're listening and always love when you're calling on those Thursdays. Speaking of that, I want to remind everyone to tune into major league fantasy baseball weekly every Thursday night runs from 8 p.m. Eastern standard time to 10 p.m. Eastern standard time. It's hosted by myself and Kyle Amore. Also tune in to Major League Fantasy Sports Baseball Show every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern to 9 p.m. Eastern, and that's hosted by Corey Roberts. I want to thank our partners at R&B Music and MajorLeagueFantasySports.com. Thank you to everyone who contributed to the show here today. On behalf of Zach and myself, thank you for tuning in. I am Lou Landers, and we will be back next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.